welcome to Bethlehem Covenant Church's sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed as you listen to this message. Okay, if you've got your Bibles, please turn with me over to Psalm 145, number 145. It's a good one. It's a Psalm of David, a praise to our God. Psalm 145, it says this. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all that he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom And speak of all of your might, so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all of his promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up those who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, Lord, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all of his ways and faithful in all that he does. The Lord is near to those who call on him and to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but the wicked he will destroy My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. This morning we we end our summer series in the Psalms. It's already come to that point. Um, This is my 12th sermon uh, this summer uh, from the Psalms. Jessica did one as well. And so there are 13 sermons that you can listen to in this series online if you would like or missed one. We started with Psalm 1, which said, you know, blessed is he who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or sit in the seat of mockers or stand in the way of sinners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on that law, he meditates day and night. And then second, we looked at Psalm 19, where it says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Man, sometimes here in Nebraska, uh, the skies are just glorious. How can you not see the work of his hands? Wow. And then we did Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Then it was Psalm 25. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your path. Guide me in your truth and teach me. Then Psalm 51, 
which is the psalm of repentance, where it says, Have mercy on me, God, according to your great love and compassion. Blot out my sins. Cleanse me of my sin. This is the psalm of repentance. Next was Psalm 63, you know, where David's out in the desert, and he says, Oh God, you are my God, and earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body aches for you, uh, like a person in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And then there was Psalm 82, which was all about justice. Defend the cause of the weak, O God, and the orphan, and maintain the rights of the poor and the oppressed. Psalm 90 was a good one. That was next. That was the Psalm of Moses that reminded the people that the Lord has been their dwelling place for all generations. Wherever we go, He is our home. And then Psalm 103, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all he brings. He forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit, and crowns you with love and compassion. The next Sunday, I did a group of psalms uh, called the Psalms of Ascent, Numbers 120 to 134, and how as the people walked to Jerusalem each year to, to go to the temple to be with God. And they walked up those final 15 steps into the temple. They would read these 15 Psalms of Ascent, you know, to prepare their heart to be with God. I lift up my eyes. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Then Jessica preached from Psalm 42 so wonderfully on that Psalm of Lament and the soul and how we go through depression at times and yet we put our hope in him. And then last week I preached on Psalm 139 about how nobody knows us better than God knows us. He knows us better than we know ourselves and he's with us today. That wonderful psalm which says, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Now it talks about how we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Well, not only did we have these sermons online for you, but we also had a daily reading that I know a number of people did, and, uh, and that was really good throughout the summer. And then we had a few people share in church about their favorite psalms and why those particular psalms have been their favorite. The psalms are from the heart, whether they're written by David or somebody else. Um, they're about what we all go through in life, times when we're searching, times when we're afraid or sad or have sinned or the happiest we've ever been. They're the honest prayers we have to God and they lift up our eyes and, and they're meant to be read together and out loud, but also just you and God alone. They remind us of who he is, how he is our rock, our refuge, our fortress, our deliverer, our shepherd, our, our creator, our father, the righteous judge, the eternal one. So much in the Psalms, and I've been thankful to go through them this summer. Well, today we end the series with Psalm 145 and the final five Psalms, because all five go together in this big, dramatic climax of an ending. Imagine, if you will, an orchestra playing through the Psalms, and as it comes to the end, it raises this great hallelujah. You know, this final five psalms are this dramatic end, this, this grand hallelujah. The final five all begin and end with the phrase, praise the Lord. It is the clashing of the symbols at the end of the night, you could say. It is the declaring of what our life is really all about and what matters most. It's, we were made to glorify the Lord 
and enjoy him forever. It is the celebrating of who he is in these final five. It is the wonderful things that he has done for you and your family and is still doing. And how you can trust him. Hallelujah is Hebrew. And Hallel is Hebrew for praise. And Yah is the abbreviation for Yahweh, which means Lord. So hallelujah means praise the Lord. And the final five are an exclamation of the whole 150. Their message is really simple. It is praise the Lord. May your whole life be a hallelujah. That's what it's saying. Everything you do is to be a hallelujah. Psalm 145 says, I will exalt you, my God and King. I will praise your name forever. It says, every day I will praise you, for great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. Every day, think about that. Every day we are invited to live like this, a praise to God. We are to recognize Him and praise and give glory to God for all He is and everything He has done for us. And praise is not something that is just maybe a short time in the middle of a service, you know, on a Sunday morning. No, it is a life lifted up to the glory of God. That's our hallelujah. May our marriage be a hallelujah in the way that we love one another, that, that honors Him, in the way that we seek God together and pray to Him together. May our work be a hallelujah. Whether it is a career that is in ministry or not, whatever you do, the Bible says, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever you do could be a hallelujah. All our work in just the way we treat people maybe at our job or the shine for God or do the best that we can in whatever it is that we're working on, we do it unto Him. May our relationships be a hallelujah, a praise to God. Peter says in the New Testament, let everything you do cause other people to give praise to God. So the goodness that we show to them, the forgiveness, the showing grace, acting like Jesus and serving somebody sacrificial, it all may be difficult and hard at times to do, but this all becomes our song of praise, our hallelujah, because the reason we do it is Him, because He has shown us this love and goodness and patience, and we're so thankful for Him in our life that we pass Him on to everybody else that is in our life. Whatever we do can be really a praise to God. What we do with our money, what we do with our time, how we take care of the earth or see all that God made or recognize him in the classroom or love our neighbor or obey his commands or gather together with people for worship. It's all a hallelujah. When we believe in the name of Jesus and share him with a friend, when we read the Bible to our kids at home or bow our heads and pray and begin with, thank you, God, it is all a hallelujah, making him the reason and the joy of every occasion. I was reading through the final five Psalms this week and over and over, and I was struck by many things within them, like in Psalm 148. It opens with hallelujah, praise the Lord, and then it starts speaking to the angels. It says, praise the Lord, all his angels. And I thought about how in the books of the Bible, especially in the book of Revelation or at the birth of Jesus, we see angels and they're praising God. 
you know. And at the birth of Christ, it says, you know, the heavens uh, opened and the skies filled with heavenly hosts before the shepherds there. And, and, and the angels were praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace to men. Or at the return of Christ, we see the angels coming with, with wonderful shouts of praise. Or around the throne in heaven, we see this. In each case, when the Bible talks of angels, it's, they're always praising God. It even says that when one sinner repents down here, the angels are rejoicing in heaven, giving thanks to God for that. The angels do a lot in Scripture, but probably praise is the number one thing. Psalm 148 also says, praise him, you sun and moon and all you shining stars. And then it even mentions the oceans and snow and winds and mountains and hills and trees and animals, birds. And then it mentions kings and princesses, men and women, old and children. And then it says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And I loved that it mentions sun, moon, and stars, and trees? I mean, how does a tree or an ocean praise God? It doesn't have a soul. It doesn't have a mouth. It praises God by simply being who God made it to be, by doing what he called it to do. I got to see the ocean in Maine, and I got to tell you, I'm not bragging, but that was awesome. Looking out at that deep blue go on forever, seeing those waves crash against those rocks. Every time I see something that I haven't seen before that God made, I stand in awe. I can't help but think of him. I don't praise the ocean. I praise the one who made it and is revealed in its beauty. It's like those tall sequoias in California, or that majestic mountain in Colorado, or that gorgeous day at the lake, or that highly detailed flower that pops up in spring, or the most amazing of all, that little baby laid into my arms all of a sudden, and it's doing nothing but lying there in its own goo, and wrapped up in cloth, but it's absolutely amazing. And all I can do is cry and say, thank you, God. You know, my thoughts immediately turn to how great is our God. Why? Just by being what God made it to be. All of creation brings glory and honor and praise to God. And that is what you see our lives are to be all about. You know, that is what we want, the work of our hands and the things that we say and the love that we show our neighbors and the way that we live. We just want it all to be a hallelujah, a praise to our God, another wave that breaks for his majesty, another ray of light that shines through the clouds for a, for a glorious sunrise. Everything we do, may we shine like stars out there to the praise and glory of our God. May it be a hallelujah. As a church, in our worship time, or when we invite people into our house, or share with somebody in need, or raise our kids the best we can, may it, may it be a hallelujah. Broken and imperfect at times, our prayer may be, but may it be a hallelujah. For God knows our heart, and in our weakness, we bring our sincere and honest and humble and weary sometimes self to Him. And as a hallelujah, as an acknowledgement that he is above all and the reason behind all good things and the center of our heart and life. And praise the Lord, David says, with your life. 
May this be your life goal. He says in, in Psalm 145, every day I'll praise you and exalt your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. We will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. You give us food. You have been faithful to your promises. Your kingdom is everlasting. Your compassion on all you made. You're near when we call you. You open your hand and you satisfy the desires of every living thing. Tracy Hernandez told me this is one of her favorite verses for the imagery of God opening his hand to us and sharing with us all we truly need in the desires of every living thing. You know, I mean, who are we? The, the God of the universe would even care to know our name, and yet he, he gives us the desires of our heart. I mean, who am I that I would know him and that, that he would even want to give me good things? Who am I that he would die for me and bring salvation to me? Who am I that, that he would want to be with me? Who am I that he would love me and call me his own and put eternity in my heart and give me all these gifts to enjoy each day? Why has the Lord been so good to me when we stop and praise him? Something happens inside our soul and our attitude begins to shift from what is commonplace of complaining and grumbling to thankfulness and joy. For all we have is from him. David can see that. And that's why he says, my mouth will speak a hallelujah, a praise to the Lord and let every creature praise, praise his holy name forever and ever. This is David's final psalm, you see, and it's his final word. I want to go out with praise on my lips. I want my funeral to be all about Jesus and not much about me. That people can see him. I really see this as a good life verse. Each of us can live and face the challenges of our life with complaining and grumbling and gritting our teeth or sadness or fear or seeking his glory, facing every day and everything with praise, thanksgiving in a servant's heart, just bringing what we got and doing it all for him. Like Paul and Silas in the dungeon, such a powerful story in Acts where after getting beaten up for proclaiming Christ, thrown into jail, chains put on their hands and their feet, it says that in the middle of the night they started singing hymns. They started praising God. And, and it blessed his name. Even, I mean, just think about that. Even in their struggles, they were blessing his name. In the moments of pain and suffering and even injustice, you could say, they were still glorifying the name of the Lord. And the other prisoners were listening, and, and they end up coming to faith. Even the jailer comes to faith. Will we continue to praise him every day, even in the difficult days, painful days, sad days, unjust days? And every day, you can either live for him or for you. You can focus on him or you in every situation. But only he can satisfy the desires with good things. You can seek your own glory or you can seek his. You can live for yourself or for him. Every thought or word that comes out of your mouth can either be a beautiful praise or an ugly curse. You have a choice today. What will you do with your mouth today? What will you do with your hands? What will you do with your heart? You get to choose. You only got one and only one life to live. Paul says, 
Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. A few years ago, after an evening meeting in, in our church, um, I was upset about something, talking with someone, complaining, as sometimes I can do. I do that. I'm not always happy, you know. I, sometimes I, uh, you know, can get frustrated or uh, complaining. And Well, sometimes I throw a bit of a pity party even. And, and so it was after this evening meeting, and, and I was complaining a bit, and, and um, I did have some cause for a complaint. But this wonderful woman in our church, who I won't mention by name, but she doesn't say a lot. I've actually, and this is honest, never heard her say a bad word about anybody. But in that moment, you know, as, we're, as I'm complaining, and she's right there with me, in that moment she just said to me, well, you know, that person, they, they got a lot going on, don't they? They really could use our prayers, and we can help them out. We can help them, just like he's helped us. And I don't know exactly how, but in 10 seconds, with probably only, what is that, 20, 30 words put together in a couple sentences, she completely turned me around. She turned my negative complaining spirit that was focused in on me into a moment of humble recognition of all that God has done for us and his call for to serve others. It was the Holy Spirit, and I don't even know how she did it. It was just so sincere. It was just genuine out of her heart. It was grace. It was just a simple word, a simple shift of focus off of me and onto him from focusing on a problem to praise and love. There was no rebuke in her words, no preaching, just a pivot, a little word to change the focus and not to feed the negative. This is what we're faced with, I think, every day. Will we pivot? Will we shift the focus off of us as the center onto him as the center? Will we get past the grumble and look up, lifting up our eyes to where our help come from and looking out in love instead? Will I take this moment, this life that has been given, this heart that has been given me, this job, this opportunity, this hand, this mouth, and make it about me or make it about him? Our life is to be a hallelujah, you see, a praise to our Lord every day. Psalm 100 says, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It's he who made us and we're his. We're his people, the sheep of his pasture. So enter his gates with thanksgiving in your hearts and his praise, his praise, his name, because the Lord is good and his love endures for you. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. You see, this, these last five psalms, they're the climax of the whole thing. The moment when the cannons go off, you could say, or the fireworks, or the cymbals, and the trumpet sound, the message is right in your face. Who are you going to live for? May your life be all for him. May it be a hallelujah, a praise to our God. And whatever you do today, and whatever comes out of your mouth, let it all point to the love and goodness and salvation of God, glorifying Him, shining for Him. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 says, Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in every circumstance, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. There are a couple examples in the Bible of praise, a life of praise, and I thought I'd just quickly mention two of them for you. Um, 
and, and there's many more, but I just kept coming back to these two examples for some reason right now. The first is John the Baptist. And the reason I thought of him was because of this really beautiful story in John 3, 27 to 31, where John the Baptist, you know, he had been the main thing for quite a while. He began his ministry before Jesus. His ministry was to prepare the way for the Lord, and his role was important. And at one time, everybody from the city was coming out to see him and going to be with him. Big crowds would come and gather around the Jordan River and listen to him preach, and he would baptize them. Well, when Jesus began, all the people started to go to Jesus now, started to follow Jesus. And so John's disciples at one point get upset about this, and they start comparing the ministries. And they came to John one day, and they said, what are we going to do? They're all going to him. And I think John's reply in John 3, 27 to 31, is such a beautiful and selfless praise, hallelujah, to God. John tells his disciples, a man can receive only what's given from him from above. You yourselves can testify that I have said I'm not the Christ. I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. And that joy is mine and is now full and complete. For he must become greater and I must become less. The one who is from above is above all. The one who's from the earth belongs to the earth. But the one who comes from heaven is above I have read and reread this response of John a lot this week because it's so selfless. It's so beautiful. It is not seeking the glory for himself. He knows who he is, and Jesus is, is more. He wants people to go to the Lord, not to him. His joy is in the Lord, and so he pivots here, you see. He turns their complaints and focus on the, themselves and their ministry to focusing on Jesus and a praise of the good thing that God is doing. And I love that John says a person can only receive what is given to him by God. You know, are we going to be content with our place in that kingdom, content in the work and the things that God has given us to do, believing that, or comparing ourselves and always frustrated or bitter at something else? What if we instead, like John, accepted the role that God has given us to play? And like the ocean, just be an ocean. Like the tree, just be a tree. You are who God made you to be. Give praise to God by just playing your part. You don't have to have the greatness. He is the one that should be getting the greatness in your life. John is content to be who God called him to be. Thankful just to even know he was a servant of the Lord. John then reminds his disciples how he told them that he wasn't the Christ, and this is very important. John is saying here, this ministry that we were doing all this time was never about us anyway. I'm not the main show, he's saying. It's not about whether they come and follow me. My whole job was to prepare their hearts to follow him, and they're doing that now. And so I am thankful, and I am glad. I am not sad. I want to be out of a job because it'll mean I have done my job. He says, he must become greater. I must become less. And this perhaps is a good definition of praise. When we realize our life is not really about us, it was and always has been about him. He is above all. And we're to exalt 
the Lord Jesus Christ, he must become greater in our life, and we must become less. It's got to be more about Jesus than you. He is above all the feelings I have, all the wants I have, all the conflicts, above all the desires and ambitions, above all kings and presidents and countries and opinions and views. He is above all. I live to praise and honor and worship him above all, most. He must become greater and I must become less. I think I'm learning over all these years of living so far that my greatest temptation in my life is me. My will and my ego is never satisfied. I can have these friends or this wife or this recognition or this whatever, but always wanting something else. Instead of thinking what God wants, my concern is what I want, what I think will make me happy, what I think is right, what I think is best, what I think will help me and benefit me. The idol in my life that needs torn down most I was not meant to be the center, the driver, God. There's only one God and it's not me. <laughs> I think of King Nebuchadnezzar and how he built a literal gold idol of himself for people to worship. He thought a lot of himself. And then one day he looked out over all of his kingdom. He said, look at what I've made. He failed to acknowledge God. And so in the very next breath, God brought it all down in a day. His kingdom, his reign, his health, his respect, he lost it all. The Bible says whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. But there is a happy ending for Nebuchadnezzar. After years of being deeply humbled, he came to see the truth of God. And that it was never about him. And that God gave him everything that he had. And it was all by the grace of God, and he was restored. We are nothing without the Lord. What if we were to go home today and just take some time and think about that? What would it look like for us to make our life more where he is greater and us is less? What changes to our schedule or to our home or to our family, work, devotional life, or even just attitude? Where is there too much of me and not enough of him? How can I declare him above all, like John the Baptist? The second example, though, that I see in Scripture of a life of praise, hallelujah, is the example of Paul. And I thought of him because one of the definitions of praise is boasting, not in ourselves, but in God. And Paul often quotes in his letters a verse from Jeremiah where it says, Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, or the strong man boast in his strength, or the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in the Lord and that he knows me. Praise is boasting in what God has done for us, and that is Paul to a T. He spent half of his life boasting about himself and his own accomplishments and his own righteousness. He was successful according to the world. He had it all, but he was dead on the inside. He had zeal for the law, but constantly fell short and was so lost. And then God showed up in his life. Christ appeared to him on the road and saved him, opened his eyes and his heart, and everything began to change for Everything he once lived for, he now saw as worthless compared to Christ. The Lord gave him a brand new life, a new reason to live, a brand new center. He found a righteousness, not in the law, but faith in Christ alone. He found peace with God. He found a brand new reason to live and get up in the morning. 
He experienced unconditional love and freedom and a joy like he had never known before. In other words, he had to lose everything only to find everything that mattered. And he was completely and totally changed by Christ. And he no longer boasts in his own accomplishments, but rather he calls himself the worst of all sinners that God loved. And he speaks about salvation, his pure grace, not by works so that no one can boast. He speaks about a love he doesn't deserve, Jesus who died for him. He can't get over it. And so he spends the rest of his life just talking about Jesus with anybody who will listen, boasting about what the Lord has done. He opens every letter with praise. Whenever he talks to anybody, he talks about Jesus. And he gets beaten up, thrown in jail, rejected, but just keeps going because he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Galatians 6.14 says, May I never boast in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul reminds me here that praise is boasting in the Lord, that he knows us, loves us, and died for us. It's a ministry that flows out of praise. He gave us this testimony. He built this church. He did it. He gave us this land, this farm, this crop, this family, this life. It's all grace. And he has never let us go. So living out of that truth, making our life a, a hallelujah in response to him. David says in 145, every day I'll praise you and exalt your name forever. Great is the Lord, most worthy of praise. We'll celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. You give us food. You've been faithful to your promises. Your kingdom's everlasting. Your compassion on all you made. You're near when we call. You open your hand and you desire, hand out and satisfy the desires of every living thing. And then the last of all the Psalms, 150, just simply says it best. Praise him in the sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power and his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet and the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with the strings and the flute. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with the resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Have a wonderful Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay up to date with all Bethlehem Covenant Church's ministries and events, head to bccwaverly.org.